Sin acknowledges and pays respects to the traditional owners and elders, past, present, and emerging, of the land in which we write, record, and produce this podcast, the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. Engineers Assemble also acknowledges and pays respects to the traditional owners of the land in which our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Sovereignty was never ceded. Hey guys, welcome back to the Engineers Assemble. My name is Ankit and I am here with uh, John Croft. He is the manager of uh, Advanced Manufacturing Hub of Australia. And he has spent more than 25 years working all around the world. He has worked in Europe, in China, in India and many other places. So, John, how you started your career and what was your experience throughout? Yeah, well, still my career started back in the 60s um, as I uh, started as a young 16-year-old as an apprentice fitter and turner uh, back in those days. I mean, we uh, weren't spoilt for choices for for jobs, that's for sure, because in that stage we had our trades uh, or you did administration, became a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer and, and that you didn't have a lot of things at that stage. Now, I started my time at uh, a company called Comnia uh, mm. in uh, Grange Road in Cheltenham and uh, who eventually became Comnia Sheffield after they bought Sheffield out and then had another spin-off company called Arcan, which, of course, had the first, very first, what we call CNC, Must- which were tape-turn machine, and uh, which was the latest in technology. Um, I can still remember, you know, we'd be building tools and if you broke a tap then, it was, uh, you tried to tap it out with little bits of metal and spin it around to try and get it out. We had the very first EDM and at that stage it was in the uh, toilets, uh, which was just a single electrode plugged into the PowerPoint and you'd tap it down and it'd start to bounce and the water would be there and it'd slowly eat the tap away. It used to take hours. That was the very first sign of EDM yeah. back then. So, you know, you talk about early industries. Uh, yeah. That was definitely very early in the industries. My experiences through this industry was... Um, I was lucky enough, I suppose, to have a, a, a German... Uh, looking after me in uh, Comnia. Um, and at that stage, I mean, we had Germans and Bulgarians and Austrians flooding into Australia into uh, the uh, tool-making trade. And I can still remember talking to them then, and they said, listen, as far as manufacturing in, in Europe, in Germany, he's dead. They're finished. The war killed us, and it's not coming back. Yeah. Well, you look at Germany now, it's an absolute power of, of manufacturing. I mean, and I think of that now with Australia, with the way our manufacturing has been on the decline. It hasn't been uh, fully embraced by mm. our governments in the past, and it's only just recently. And, of course, with this COVID that uh, has made people sit up and, and take notice that, um, you know, 
we've got to do something about bringing our manufacturing more. Yeah. And the governments now are focusing towards this. Hopefully, there's going to be a lot more focus on it. As a, as a country, Australia's always been stuck out in the never-never and people have... We've sort of been out of reach with, with um, Europe and America and, and that, but not with Asia. Asia's our close, very really? close neighbour. And the thing with Asia is, you know, from our, I can still think back into the early days, our first real competitor was Japan. And we were losing jobs to Japan. People were going to Japan. And, you know, we have always had to compete. And Japan had the low rates. And, of course, when the low wages and everything finished in Japan, where'd it go to next? Singapore. Yeah. And then to Malaysia. And then, and then to Thailand, and now China, China yeah. and now who's taking over? Vietnam. You know, so and we're all having to compete the whole time. We've been a country that has really stood up and been able to to challenge the competition. And uh, I'm I'm proud to say I'm an Aussie, and being proud so that we'll always challenge. Yeah. Um, and that's my same token as myself. Personally, yeah. I have to have the challenges yeah. for me to continue on in what I do. Yeah. So, yeah, it's um, it's certainly a change thing now. You know, for, for me, I look at, um, you know, the uh, early days with machining and everything and how that's all changed. And yeah. now some of the latest technologies that are coming out um, are just amazing, absolutely amazing. Yeah. So, in your career span, you have seen the changes from Industry 2.0, then you have seen the changes in Industry 3.0, and now you are kind of you are pioneering the Industry 4.0 transformation in Australia. Correct. So, what are your thoughts on that? What have you seen as it changed, and what is unchanged till now? I think the biggest thing with uh, Industry 4 is we know it. Yep. All right, Australia has really been centred around Industry 4 for years and years. The problem is no one's thought about it as Industry 4. Hmm. You know, Australia has always been a low-volume manufacturer. Yep. We don't go into mass production at all. And um, I think we've learnt how to do business in low manufacturing, yep. in, in the low-volume manufacturing. And it's been through our smarts of how we do it. Industry 4 is opening up other opportunities for, I call it the old guard or the people that have been in business for so many years. I mean, they're now sitting in their 70s and that, and they're sitting in these high positions. They now have to really look seriously and get the younger people in with their knowledge around Industry 4 to really gain the benefits out of what Industry 4 can give. Now you've got your companies working very heavily in Industry 4. I mean, your Siemens, you've got your Bosch. Listen, my years at Bosch, I was indoctrinated into Industry 4. And I've seen it in action. I've seen it in, in Europe within a plant, uh, one of the Bosch plants in Europe, which is fully Industry 4. It's just amazing. Yep. And it's here, I've watched companies embrace it and are collecting metadata. You know, hmm. they're completely getting reams and reams, but no one knows what to do with it. No. That's the big problem. That's the problem here in this country. 
what do we do with this data to improve the efficiencies of what we are doing? Yep. You know, that's where where Industry 4 is heading. It is the digital age. Mm. It most definitely is the digital age. Yep. So, yeah, I... Um, Listen, uh, as more and more companies look to taking it on uh, and taking in uh, what Industry 4 is about, we will see the benefits start to be reaped. And I think if the government are serious with with what they're doing with manufacturing, they'll also be getting behind what Industry 4 can give. So you are with an automotive industry for more than a decade. And (laughs) 30 odd years in the automotive industry. (laughs) Uh, as an automotive engineer, I want to know how was your experience. And so right now you are, uh, you are seeing the changes and reforms from uh, combustion cars to the electric cars. Ah, yeah. Well, let me think. I mean, I, I still remember being involved in the, um, the old uh, GT Falcons and that. Uh, you know, working. I worked on the grill tooling. We worked on the on the um, emblem toolings and that through Comnia. Uh, so I remember the early days. And, of course, I've worked in, in US with Ford. Yep. Uh, been involved in China and also India yeah. and Australia with uh, heavily with Ford and, and also GM as well. I've watched the transformations. I've even watched it through the days of Bosch because it, Bosch is working in all of the uh, ancillary equipment going yep. into the vehicle. So... You know, I've watched the improvements through what they've done with uh, diesel automo- uh, and, of course, the, the normal combustion engine yep. uh, injection systems. Mm. Um, it's just, it has been an amazing ride in as such. I've watched how it's transformed and it's just so quick. Yep. And now we're looking at, at the electric vehicles and the, the hydrogen vehicles. These are all coming out. I've been involved with um, with uh, charging systems. Mm-hmm. With uh, which company? With uh, well, there's a, a company here called Lumen. Yeah, Lumen uh, Australia. Yeah, um, one of uh, our old ex Bosch employees uh, was heading up with their wireless mm. charging systems. Yeah, and they won a huge contract in Europe with a yep. supercar maker, which is really really good. I mean. Australia has always punched above its weight as yeah. far as what we do. Australians aren't scared of taking the chance. Uh, they're not scared of, of putting themselves out there to get something done. Done, yep. And that, that is the beauty of what we're about and we're, that's where we need to continue now and, and really push. Yeah. Do you see any possibility of reviving automotive industry in the Australia? Already it's on its way. Okay. You've, you've got small vehicle that's been developed out of Queensland, mm. um, which is an electric vehicle, yeah. which I think is being assembled now down in Adelaide. Okay. Uh, there's another car maker now coming into, it's been advertised left, right and centre about developing a new electric vehicle. Listen, I can still remember through my years and, and after I started a company called uh, Interact yep. Plastic Services mm. uh, way back then. And... Um, that was in the uh, late uh, late 80s, early 90s that that began. And I can still remember back in 1991, standing in Swinburne University, um, watching a Stratus 
machine. Yeah. Print a plastic part. And I remember looking at that and turning to the person who was showing me. And I could see so clearly in my mind that I turned around and I said, do you realize you are watching the future of manufacturing? <laughs> I said, and it won't be polymers. There'll be metals, ceramics. And I can still remember this guy looked at me as if I had two heads. <laughs> in 1993, Interact was the first company to bring in a printer, printer into yeah. Australia into private business. Um, it was a Stratasys FDM 1650. Hmm. I spent a quarter of a million dollars. That's not bad for a little company. No help from government or anything. And um, I did talk after talk, and I can still remember back then that people kept saying, or industry industry people kept saying, oh, John, you know, really good. Bit of a black art. Six months, you won't see it again. It'll be here and gone. Well, look at where we're sitting now. And it is going to be probably one of the biggest disruptors. It is a huge part of what Industry 4 is about. Yeah. It's, it's just being developed so quick now. And this came about after patents were, were, were sort of uh, let go by yeah. Stratasys and a couple of other companies mm. that allowed other people in. And it's just flourished and it is just blown out now. Yeah. I mean, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. And it will become a multi-billion dollar industry here in Australia. And if our manufacturing wakes up, the the, the actual technology is getting to the point now mm-hmm. where I believe it's, it can be incorporated into into a production facility. And this has been proved. I did a, a, um, a tour of a company in Germany called Toolcraft. They still have their traditional tool making hmm. and they still have an injection molding shop. They still develop automation automation around building automated assembly equipment and that. But they've also got this huge additive manufacturing area. They have twelve machines in there now. I think eight of them are trunk machines. They are doing inserts for tooling so they're utilizing it now as they said it's a big part of what their day-to-day business is yeah they've now incorporated that within their processes of manufacturing so here in australia this is we have to look here in australia it's more education now yeah all right we have to educate industry what additive is i mean my first year with um the am hub is that I was talking to business people and I was getting a blank look. I was talking about additive yeah. manufacturing. But as soon as I mentioned 3D printing, you'd see the lights come on and people go, oh, yes, we know all about that. Well, no, you actually don't. I think the beauty is that, I mean, I finished 11 years at Bosch hmm. and they were probably some of my best working years. Uh, great company to work for. Absolutely fantastic. Did a lot of travel with Bosch. Uh, I was sort of looking after uh, Hungary, Portugal, South yeah. Africa, China was my areas. When this job came up, and I can still remember being approached back late 2018, and uh, I sat down with Greg Chalker and uh, Shane Afanti from Amtel, and they told me about this position, and they said, would you like to come in? Yeah, as a AM. As the, as the hub manager. Yeah. Well, I can still remember coming home that night 
Yeah. And sitting down at the table with my wife and I said, telling her about it, and I said, i got to do it. And she looked at me and, and she smiled and she knew why. And I said, who gets a chance 20-odd years after the fact yeah. to actually finish what they started? I said, <laughs> I have that chance again. Yeah. So the passion is all there for me. And I love what I do. I absolutely love it. The additive community here in Australia has astounded me. I didn't realise how big it really is and how much it's grown. And it is growing daily. And as I said to you earlier on, talking to some of the technology providers or the equipment builders, they're having the best year they've ever had. And we're going through this COVID. We, and, and again, here's a, co- a country who punches above their weight. We have uh, companies here, uh, Aurora Labs over in Western Australia, yeah. who have developed and building um, SLM pretty, equipment. Yeah. We have Ampro in Clayton, yeah. which is a spin-off out of Monash, yeah. which yeah. are now building uh, equipment. But they're, they're offering it as, as a whole system, mm. not just the printer. It's the entire thing. And they're talking about it's 27% uh, 27 faster than any other equipment around. Mm. We know that HP are working on metal, but HP now, with their nylons in there, first real production-ready equipment I've seen, you know. And we have now just so many other um, processes around additive, you know, with your cold spray and that. Success that Speed 3D is having. Yeah, Speed yep. 3D and Atomic. Yeah, uh, Atomic yep. uh, it yeah. is another one, yeah. most definitely. Yeah. So we're watching this grow. Again, industry is not fully aware, and that's what the hub's there for. The yeah. hub is wanting to be the catalyst. It wants to be the part in Australia bringing together the service providers, the technology providers, yeah. Yeah. institutions. See, the institutions, these are great one. After working with Bosch yeah. and, and being uh, involved with institutions and and industry yeah. and watching how it works, especially in Europe, it's beautiful. Yeah. We've never done it well. We're changing. I want to be part of that change. I want the hub to be part of that change because every one of these institutions is sort of researching in different areas around additives. So for our members and people that are are trying to find out more, they can come to the hub and say, listen, John, we're working on a process or a product. We're not sure. Who do we we talk to further because we need to do a bit more research into it? We can at least guide them to which university they should be looking at. And it doesn't matter. It can be anyone within the national uh, realms of, of institutions. So we're able to offer that. So that's what the hub's all about. Mm. The hub wants to be the information centre for people who actually come to. We're an unbiased centre. We're not aligned with any particular process, technology or anything. So... We can be a very unbiased uh, advocate for, for people looking into it, and that's being proven with what's happening with the uh, Build It Better voucher system we're running with the Victorian government. And I can still remember they, they tipped in $1.85 million for the hub. 1.2 of that was to be uh, developed around vouchers, so grants, as you want to call it, um, because the Victorian government realised that 3D printing is a game changer with manufacturing. Mm. They could see it. Yeah. So since Victoria sort of went in and became, it was the first state to 
adopt the, the technology. Yeah. I know I was part of it. Um, you know, so, and when I took this position, I can still remember Simon Marriott. He had a business called uh, Silhouette mm. in Hawthorne when I had Interact in Hawthorne. So he used to deal in SLAs. Yep. So he'd get them done offshore somewhere. And uh, Silhouette was then purchased by or became a, a, a partner with Arc mm. and became a, a bought business. And of course, Arc was out of uh, Asia. And uh, Simon, there's, there's a few of us that we call the dinosaurs. And I can still remember Simon when he found out I'd accepted the, the position with uh, Amtel to take on the hub. He said, I couldn't think of a better person. And he said, the problem, he said with you, you were too far ahead of your time. <laughs> and he's right. 20 years ahead of yeah, your time. Yeah. But now I have that chance. So yeah. I'm embracing it how it should be. We have had exponential growth mm. uh, in the hub. Uh, we have to be, of course, our money will run out from the state government. And uh, we have to be sort of self-sustainable. So that's what we're working on now, the plan of how we become self-sustainable, what can we do. Yeah. Um, we are already being recognised nationally. Yep. And we're being recognised overseas. So I'm having overseas companies now coming to be part of the hub. Oh, uh, there's a don't... company out of India uh, and Vatsal. Can't think of Vatsal's last name. He's stationed now in uh, Adelaide, Anomics or something like that. But they deal a lot in medical okay. out of India. So mm. they're doing a lot in the medical area. Uh, there's companies out of Singapore. There's, you know, we, we will align ourselves with it. We're, we're sort of talking with other hubs globally. Mm. So we're trying to keep ahead of what's happening with the technology. Yeah. Uh, let's come to the AMT hub. So. What exactly is happening right now in the manufacturing industry? Like I have seen a lot of talk about get getting back the manufacturing into the Australia. So, mm. well, as you know, we're running the um, Build a Better Voucher program, mm. uh, which I mean I'm throwing that out there so often now. We've we've got over thirty odd projects on the go since yeah. we started. Uh, we had seven uh, accepted vouchers from the last round two and this i mean we're talking co companies from everything yeah from from medical yeah uh, through to motive uh through to uh mining i mean we have a company here in melbourne that have developed probably the largest printer in australia yeah the title me no no i'm talking uh, cnc design all right they have a printer there which is 10 metres by 5 metres oh. by 1.6. They can print concrete. They can print polymer. Oh. And they can print wax, which is really... Boeing is so oh, interested. But they're even developing uh, one that's going to go to Singapore, which is 30 metres by 10 metres by 1.6 high. So, you know, here again, little country. Punching above its weight. <laughs> Yeah, they will be at uh, Oztech next yep. year. They won't have one of those printers, but they'll have probably the robot arm printer. Mm. They'll be printing stuff with the robot arm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's, um, as I said, it's so exciting. I, I was up at Wollongong uh, where they've got an offshoot company there which they're printing skin grafts right. out of human cells. So, and here we are now into electronics. 
printing PCBs, delay PCBs. And Nano Dimension, that's one of the printers uh, that's, uh, and it's actually sold here in Australia through Amona. They've got one up at UTS, up mm-hmm. in Sydney, uh, and of course the uh, Defence Department bought one, but they're not Bureau. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Let's come to the AM Hub. So, currently, how many people are working in AM Hub? And when, apart from the people, how many companies, universities, and uh, and the governments are with you and are working with you? All right. Probably the easiest way to to put this is um, we've gone through the objectives of what the hub's there for. Yeah. Is I'm just trying to think. We have. Uh, currently now about 135 member companies. Ah. That includes institutions. So we have uh, universities from all around Australia. I'd like to see a lot more. Um, as uh, uh, Probably what you weren't aware of is this year we were going to run six events, which we called uh, the Changing Face of Manufacturing. In 2020? In 2020. Oh, okay. Unfortunately, it didn't go ahead. The first yeah. one was going to be at Deakin in mm. Warm Ponds, mm. which were full-day events. So it was nothing about selling. It was all about educating industry. Before COVID came in and we had to cancel it, we had a 127 registered to come. We had 25 companies that were going to be exhibiting there for the day. It was... We were going to, uh, well, there was a lot of talks around it. Uh, and the whole afternoon would have been around presenting of case studies, which would, would show companies, you know, maybe in their areas of what was happening. Mm. So it was to educate them what's happening globally with that additive, where it's being incorporated. Mm. As we know, that I mean, there's six companies here purely in Australia that are purely using additive yeah. as their whole means of production. I mean, you've got eye orthotics, you've yeah. got footworks, you've got orthotech, mm-hmm. all the orthotics companies. We have uh, Limelight over in Thomastown. They do all of their um, light fittings. Mm. They print every one of them. All right. And they're developing new things all the time as well. So there's a lot happening in additive, which I wasn't aware of till I started in this position. So with this particular forum was going to run right around the country nationally Mm. and we were going to be doing these things in each of the states so before COVID so it will happen again at some stage Uh, at the moment we're preparing some webinars Mm. the first uh, the webinars is a series of three yeah which is called a roadmap to adoption Mm. all right all around additive the first one is um uh, around lean methodologies. That's the first of the series. That uh, is going to be on the 26th of August, and that is a, about an hour and a half webinar uh, being presented on that. That's the first of the series. Um, then we've got ideation and then packet design and packaging. So there'll be three in the series of that. And that's been... that uh, I've got uh, a Simon Bartlett presenting, Simon... God, it's got years and years. I dealt with him back in 96 when he was working on the VT Commodore at, at GM. We were we were doing some prototypes off the uh, Stratasys machine for him. 
So yeah. Does this hub work as an incubator for any startup or does it provide any help for any new startup? What it, well, in a way it does uh, through the Build It Better voucher system. Mm. Uh, that We've had a few startups come into that mm-hmm. um, to apply for a voucher. And uh, listen, the vouchers are... Uh, so uh, just make it clear, voucher, by voucher, voucher you mean grant. Uh, like a grant, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just another name for a grant, <laughs> yes. Um, we have, um, with the grant, of course, it's a dollar for dollar. The yeah. applicant puts in a dollar, the government puts in a dollar, and yeah. it's up to 20000 So you're talking $40,000 projects. Mm. So they're not small. Definitely. You know, they're not totally small. I mean, to date, we've outlaid nearly 600000 of the government's money oh, okay. uh, out of the 1200 uh, 1.2, sorry. Estimated so far, and I'm only just starting on the companies what they've physically spent personally on their projects, we're up around 10 million. So the voucher definitely is showing good results. Mm. And uh, as I said, we've got round three coming up, another two rounds after this. Mm. So hopefully people will sort of wake up and say, oh, we need to take notice. Yeah, so, so those two rounds will come in 2021? Uh, one will come this year. Okay. We'll have round four this year, then we'll have round in 2021. <laughs> Our money or the funding runs out in October. So all vouchers are got to be completed by October next year. Mm. So the vouchers, when they're awarded, you have 12 months to complete the voucher. Mm. So we have talked about the industries and companies in the AM hub. So now, what is the role of government other than providing the grant? Well, at the moment, we have um, one of the government officials mm. who is on our advisory committee. So yeah. we have the advisory committee, and that's exactly what it is. It's not there to tell us how the hub should run. Yeah. It's there as an advisor yeah. uh, to give ideas mm. of what could be taken up so we have one of the government on that we have to uh, report I have to do reports each quarter Mm. to the government and that's like writing a novel let me tell you (laughs) Uh, they're typically around 149 pages in the report so yeah it's um, we have to be seen that we're doing the right thing yeah around COVID we've even tried to uh, let companies know that you know, vouchers are definitely available if you're working in an area of co- around the COVID-19. Yeah. So, so the vouchers are still not affected by the current situation? Yeah, they are to a certain extent. Some of the companies that are doing their vouchers have had to put on hold because mm-hmm. their testing sites and that are all locked down. They can't get to their testing. They can't do certain things around what the project requires to be done. So they're on hold mm-hmm. until it... Till things start to relax again. So we've actually given, I think, half a dozen companies so far extensions off the 12 months because they were due to finish Mm. last month and and this month. So we've given them extensions now to the end of the year at this particular point because of the effects that COVID has had on their business. Yeah. Understood. Let's get back to the current situation, the COVID-19. Yep. So... You remember you and I had a talk about what companies are doing in current situation, what's like 
uh, in the beginning when in a march or in april we have seen some of the major surge in a companies are printing some parts for medical industries and some stuff like that mm. so regarding that and connecting all that thing what is happening right now in the manufacturing with regards to the covid-19 all right quite a few of our members got involved with uh, producing parts for face shields mm, yeah. and that sort of thing so they got heavily into that listen our our members have in the early phases of in the round one of COVID, yeah. um, it was asked that uh, I was contacted by our members and saying, oh, John, you should get together and get all of our names and, and show the government what we can do and all that. And that, that's all very well. But you were asking him the question before, how many are in the hub? Well, you're looking at him. I am the hub, although I have backing internally because the hub runs under Antel. So I've got the Amtel staff hmm. that sit behind me. So we have the editors, we have the uh, uh, media people behind us. I have uh, the help from our CEO, uh, my boss himself, uh, Greg Chalker. Hmm. He handles all of the projects. He's sort of the overseer of all of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I do have a team behind me. We have our, our events manager up in Queensland, Kim Banks. Kim does all of my work around the webinars and that. I organise it. Kim organises all of that. She is putting together the Unlimit 3D conference. So she takes a lot of the work away from me. So there's certain work I can allocate. Yeah, but, to the uh, team. Yeah, yeah to yeah. the team. So, yeah, we have a team as such, which yeah. we call the Amtel team. So you are a future man, so it would be nice to ask this question to you. What changes uh, would you expect to see after the COVID-19? I expect uh, with uh, if the government is serious about manufacturing, that I'll expect to see quite a bit. We know the Queensland government and that have started the advanced manufacturing uh, hubs mm. uh, and also a lot of grants around advanced manufacturing. This is happening out of Adelaide as well and other states. So you will see that uh, I think manufacturing will start to take a big step forward. And if we can educate industry well enough around additive, I think the additive area is going to grow at a very quick pace because it will be taken up as people realise, hang on, it's easy to justify now why we can go down this way. Yeah. And if the government is supporting it with, with funding, then I can't, uh, it, it will grow. It will grow. Manufacturing in this country, listen, for years and years, they said manufacturing is dead. It's never been dead. <laughs> it's never been dead. It's yeah. slowed up, yeah, yeah. but it's never been dead. Manufacturing has always been here. We have to bring it back to what it was mm. back in the 60s and that how manufacturing then was a huge part of what we did. Yeah. Um, the mining took over because yeah. so much was happening in mining. They were making up so much money that the government started plastering everything towards that yep. and focusing more on that than what was happening in manufacturing. Agriculture is our next big one. You look at us as a country, we have so much available. We have the agriculture, we have the mining, we have the manufacturing. We've got it all. We're lucky if one's not working quite right at one particular time, another one's flourishing. So we're a country that's got fallback. Mm. 
where you look the, to the likes of, of places in Europe and that, they don't have mining. You know, their agriculture isn't big. Yeah. It's their manufacturing that, that runs the country. Germany is a prime example. Yeah. So, you know, we are, and people have always said Australia, the lucky country. We are a lucky country. We really are. Yeah. And I like our country, how it is so diverse and multicultural because there's a lot of brain power from all all areas of culture that can come in and make this such a success. Yeah. You will get all the opinions from all the directions. Yeah. Of course you will. Yeah. Of course you will. Yeah. You sure. know. Uh, so, how do you see the impact of COVID-19 and as we are going through the recession stage, as if I believe some of the media reports, so what will be the impact of recession on the manufacturing thing? And maybe not the manufacturing, but uh, the jobs which are related to the manufacturing or any other engineering fields. I think you'll see it growing. Uh, I mean, COVID, yes, is, is a... It's putting a lot of pressure on all us all, mm. uh, economically as well. Yep. But manufacturing will grow. Hopefully. Jobs, well, it will grow. Yeah, yeah. Most definitely it'll grow. The thing that I've noticed from the day I started work is how things have changed. I can still remember my father saying, you know, I don't know how you are going to survive <laughs> yeah. in your generation because... Jobs aren't like what we had. Yeah. No, they're not. It's like my grandchildren's generation now, you know. But you look at what's available to them. Manufacturing hasn't reduced. Manufacturing has grown. The skill sets have increased. Yeah. And this is the thing. We've gone from the old labour days of what things were like. And skill sets are constantly changing. You're not losing jobs. You know, people kept saying, robots, oh, we're not going to have our jobs. Robots are going to do That's never going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. happen. Yep. You know, it, it's all that's going to happen is skill sets will change. New positions will become uh, available under new headings. Yeah. Just still be employing people. Yeah. With the new skills. With the new skills. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So... I don't know. Some of the young kids today, uh, I believe, feel uh, a job's their right hmm. as such, you know. Just give it to us. And, and they're wanting more than what they should be getting. I mean, when I started work, my weekly wage was $16.25. Nice. First year of price. And I went to second year and it was $21. I thought all my Christmases had come at once. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. And when I finished my time, it was $100 a week was a, a tradesman's wage. Mm. You know, things have changed. Yeah, it is. You know. Uh, and, of course, things around you, costs have changed too to, to go on with it. But I think the, uh, the wages haven't grown the same as the costs have. And... We can't keep going up in cost. Yeah. You know. And this is why, you know, Germany with their manufacturing, they didn't increase, well, back then, they didn't increase the Deutschmark to cover, you know, increased wages and that. They thought and they worked smarter. That's what we have to do. 
Yeah. We have to become smarter in the way we work mm. to reduce the cost. Yeah, definitely. Because inflation is going to go up. Yeah, uh, for sure. Listen, I feel for, for young people now coming in, uh, mental health-wise, mm. I mean, we all suffer. I've suffered through through my life yeah. with some areas where I've really been down, you know. Um, and talking to people is probably the best thing you can do, you know. Open up and speak to someone. Talk to someone. Yeah. You know, you've only got to find a good listener. You really do. But mental health, listen, I see mental health becoming probably one of the largest issues we're going to have out of this pandemic. Mm. People being yep. being confined for so long. Yes, mental health. We've had more suicides, you know. We've had more suicides than deaths from COVID. In this time? In this time, yeah. That's quite concerning. Oh, it is. It is. It's, it's shocking. Okay. As you have said, in your career, you have gone through some ups and downs. So would you like to talk about some of that? So how did you manage to lift yourself up? Good question. I think I talk to people. Hmm. It's, uh, I think the biggest thing is refocusing your mind and putting your mind into actions. Yep. Because that way you can work yourself out of what you're down. You're going to have some pretty dark thoughts. Yeah. But you can work your way out of it. Find a challenge. Find something that uh, you are passionate about and focus. That's what brings you out of it. Yeah. This job helped me, most definitely. When it was offered... It was at a time when I was ready. I needed it. So it was a saver. It was a saviour coming yeah. into, into this position. And I've met a lot of wonderful people through since I've started. I started in 2019, so it's only, only a year and a bit. Yeah. But it's the people that I've met have been fantastic. Mm. You know, because you are a fantastic person. Oh, well, I'd, I'd like to think that... Um, I'm a, per- a person that I do care what happens with this country and yeah. I do care about everyone. I mean, and please don't get me wrong when I say it doesn't matter about the colour of the skin. We're all humans, for yeah. God's sake, and that's how we should be treated. Yep. So, you know, and you know a bit about my past and, and my dealings, of course, with India and that, and I've had my dealings with China as mm. well doesn't matter what culture yeah. it's good and bad in all in all yeah you know so we are a human race yeah. let's treat the people that way right now many gra- uh, there are many graduates who are under the lockdown or uh, many future graduates who are anxious or are under stress how they are going to get the, their first job so what advice do you have for them It's a good one, actually. One thing that I've always found is walk into, if you're looking at interviews and that, walk into them confident. Walk into the interview as if they need you. You You don't need need them. them. (laughs) All right? And I say to a lot of people, be yourself. You know, just, just be yourself. 
I've always been a very, very open book because what you see is what you get. Yep. It doesn't change. Yeah. You know, and I sort of tell people, just be who you are. You know, people will see um, what you have to offer yeah. just by sitting down and talking, you know, and it doesn't all happen off a piece of paper. You know, resumes, I've been asked to read resume after resume. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. And maybe you will find the same thing over the different resumes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, you know, we have all these things online about how to write a resume and everything. People get too locked up in it. Yeah. And the biggest issue, or the biggest problem these days, I suppose, is in positions that are advertised, there's keywords hidden in there. And people that are getting resumes, look at the first first two paragraphs, and then if they don't see the keywords, goes off to the side. Yeah. Um, I admire the people who are so wanting to work that they sit on a on a on a corner of a street with a sign. All I need is a job. Yeah. You know. Let me work. They're the people that are getting jobs. They're the ones that are going out mm. and actually physically getting a job. Getting a job, yeah. You know. There's the other thing I would tell young grads is talk to some of the industry leaders. You yeah. know, talk to talk to industry leaders, especially leaders that are in their fields that where they're wanting to to look into. Mm. Yeah. Get to know them and understand them. And that way you will have an ad- advocate on your side. If there is a position comes up and if you stayed in touch with that person, that person will be, oh, listen, I was talking to Ankit. That- like I did with yeah. Sashi. Yeah. All right? Sashi uh, was going for a position. Yep. And I was able to to advise the company that he was going to. Yeah. To look very seriously at the young man that was going to be in front of them. Yeah. They wouldn't be sorry. They weren't. I'm not a person that will put forward people after people to different jobs. That's not how it works. Yeah. Uh, but there's certain people that talk to me or come to me that I've developed a relationship or something with. Yeah. And they're the ones that I will remember if I'm talking to a company and they said, oh, John, we really need a marketing person. Uh, Amiga Engineering over yeah. in Thomastown. We really want a marketing person. So if you know someone, let us know. So my initial thought about that is that don't follow the job, follow the people. The job will follow you. Correct. Yeah. Very, very correct. Yeah. That's a good analogy. I like that. <laughs> thank you. Yep. So, um, thank you, John. Oh, my pleasure.